visit the Downtown Den, join us through our website, all the W's, downtowninbusiness.com. Stay in, stay safe, visit the Downtown Den. I'm very pleased to be joined by Paul Odgins uh, from Ginger, and he's going to tell us all about that. But we're going to have a conversation, really, about... Uh, urban transport and the developments that are taking place, perhaps touch upon smart cities, this common phrase that we hear nowadays, and learn really about how cities are going to develop in the in the next uh, few years. So welcome to down, the downtown den. Uh, you're our third or fourth person from, uh, from, Lum from a London perspective. Uh, very pleased to have you with us, Paul. Thank you very much. Really happy to be here. I hope everybody's keeping uh safe and healthy uh, as much as they can at, at this time but it's but it's good to be discussing you know some some important issues uh, going forward about things that we're going to be coming out of this time for so thank you very much for having me yeah thank you thank you and just by way of background you, you're going to tell us about ginger in a moment you're the ceo there but you've also been the leader of and you're still a councillor but you've been the leader of richmond london borough of uh, richmond uh, local right. authority and you've got a background very much in uh, telecoms in the UK. Yeah, exactly. So I've, so I've been in telecoms and consumer electronics uh, and the internet for, uh, I suppose, over 20 years now. Um, but, I've, but I've been a local councillor in various different positions for 14 years. Right. So, you know, I have a, have a good perspective of all the challenges that local councils are facing. Uh, you know, normal times with, uh, with transport and... Uh, and the options, but everything about you know, air quality and uh, climate change and development and all of these kinds of things where so much of it comes back to the challenges of transport. Uh, right. in yeah. yeah, and Ginger's all about transport, isn't it? T tell us about that, but it's about urban yeah. transport, microelectric yeah. transport. Yeah, so, so Ginger is a, uh, is a UK uh, provider of shared microelectric transport which at, at the moment is a fancy way of saying e-cargo bikes, e-bikes, uh, and e-scooters, which, which have been getting a lot of attention uh, uh, recently. But really for us, it's not about you know, one uh, vehicle type. It's, it's, about, it's about the mix. And they're, they're, you know, the, the really exciting part about transport at, at the moment is there, there's just a huge amount of innovation uh, uh, that, is, uh, that is happening. But it's, but it's, but it's our belief that in our cities, that you know, with, um, with as I say, with everything happening around climate change, with air quality, with with growth, with congestion in our in our cities, uh, you know, the, the the big problem comes back to the use of cars uh, and and vans, and and you know, there are a couple of issues with with cars and vans. One one is of course the emissions themselves, and uh, whether that be uh, petrol or diesel and you know we're all in favor of you know let's change over to electric vehicles uh, and uh, and hydrogen vehicles and you know anything else that uh, that comes along but there's also an issue about size and, and efficiency and usage of our, of our road spaces with, with vehicles so in our city 60% of car journeys are with one person in the car another 25% are with two people in the car um, most journeys are less than 10 miles and the majority of journeys are, are less than five miles. Uh, and yet we're using these big vehicles 
um, whether it be for personal use or for, for business use, that just take up a lot of, of space. And even if the uh, propulsion of them is, is, is much cleaner, there's still a very inefficient way to, to get around. So we think that you know, the future of, our, uh, of, of transport in our cities is a combination of public transport, and there's a lot of you know, very positive investment and very positive uh, advancements in public transport that's, that's happening at the moment. But public transport can't um, solve every route uh, of, of, you know, where people want, want to get to. I mean, even in London, where we're very spoiled for uh, bus routes, for example, in public transport, it's all great if you're going into the center of the city, but it's quite hard if you're trying to get it around, uh, you know, and, and across the boroughs, uh, especially in the in the outer part of London. And that's something that cities will uh, will face. Um, and you know, even with the with, with all of the investment that's going to go into rail, and it's fantastic that there's going to be a huge amount of investment, particularly up north, uh, with rail. You still need to get to the stations, and you still need to get people um, getting, you know, within that kind of last few miles uh, from them. And you don't want them to get in their cars. So we think that with all of the technical innovation that's that that that's happening, and these very new, exciting new vehicles that are coming, and there's going to be a lot, a uh, lot more. It's not all about e-scooters and e-cargo bikes and that kind of thing. A lot of great innovation, but we think the future is going to be about small vehicles small and micro vehicles. Uh, and it's just a better way to get around. Uh, people love getting around that, uh, around that way. It's just a much more inefficient, and in fact, in fact a much more cost-effective uh, way to get around. So Ginger is about trying to get going, trying to solve these real transport issues uh, with smaller vehicles, uh, but also be taking advantage of you know, the, the shared economy, um, which of course, coming out of our crisis, it, it, at the moment, you know, there are going to be a number of considerations, both positive and negative, uh, about, about that shared economy that we're that we're going to have to be be looking at. But shared small vehicle transport, whether it's manual bike, uh, assisted, as in an e-bike, or fully electric, as in an electric scooter or other emerging things, is where we think the really exciting, you know, short distance urban transport innovation is is going to be. Um, but it's 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 not all about just you know chuck a bunch of vehicles down and uh, on the ground in, in the city and in the center of the city and just you know sort of cater for the tourist market or the occasional users. Where what we really want to focus on is how do you use this this new technology, these new vehicles, to solve real transport issues for local residents and for workers coming coming into an area. So. How do I use it on a, on a daily basis um, in a cost-effective way that just makes it very convenient, better to get around? Um, and that's where the challenge is at the moment. It's not the technology, it's how you implement it within your city street scene, working with local councils, etc. And that's what we're about. That, that's really interesting. And wh where is Ginger at? It's relatively new. It, you've got to focus across the UK, not just on London. And we'll come back to London specifically. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we've been going for over uh, almost two years now. Hmm. Um, and so, you know, as a new company that's been about getting our platform all up and ready and our vehicles and all, all of that is, re is ready to go. Um, we're in uh, about 10 locations across, uh, across the UK uh, with, with, our, with our scooters. 
um, you know, and because of the state of the law at the moment, the UK is behind almost everywhere else. But that gives us some advantages, which we, which we can talk about. So we're on private locations, some business parks, uh, you, you know, universities, some um, uh, some recreational areas. So you know, everywhere from down in Dorset to a couple of areas in, in Leicestershire, up in Manchester, mm. um, even got you know. A, a couple of in, uh, in in Belfast at, at the moment, right. and so you know, really just trying to get them out, get people to understand what they're about, see the practicality of them. And now that the government has and the Department for Transport is moving forward with its future mobility zones, hmm. so you know, in amongst all the you know, very difficult news, there was uh, uh, some positive news from the uh, from the DFT a couple of weeks ago about moving forward with legalization and consultation on these new uh, smaller electric vehicles, e-scooters and others. Now that they're gonna move forward with that, now we're you know, really focusing on um, uh, you know, developing the conversations we've got with a number of councils around the, around the country about, okay, you know, how are we gonna in, introduce these, uh, these things in a, in a controlled fashion uh, as I say, doing it in a way that's going to benefit residents, um, not just visitors to, to the city. And that will all develop now over the next uh, next few months. And actually, we've got a few conversations going on at the moment of, well, how can we use these new vehicles, in fact, to help um, some of the key workers get around uh, who might, you know, be quite wary about getting into enclosed spaces of, of buses or underground or with reduced services might be might be finding it difficult. So we'll see how that develops. But you know, there's good opportunity. We're 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 in a crisis. We believe in the ability of these vehicles to do good, yeah. and so hopefully, you know, we can work with councils and, and get them doing good. At, you know, when it, when it's most needed right now. Yeah. But 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 that's where we're at. And and also we've um, you know we're 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 using bikes at the moment. Uh, just on a on a small scale, but to help with some local deliveries, so helping some of the high street shops, and some people who are finding it difficult to get out to uh, to high street uh, shops. So we've got delivery services with our e cargo bikes going in going in a couple of areas, and you know just showing how that can uh, that can really be used to benefit. And and a number of others are are doing that, you know the the delivery service as well with these these new vehicles. So, you know, hopefully we'll be coming out of it and people really see the benefit of uh, this kind of local transport and smaller vehicles. It's really interesting. And somebody who lives in London, it's relatively easy to be able to relate to it in that we've started with Santander bikes, the Boris bike and that yeah. shared concept and that's evolved and developed and grown. Uh, and then there's other people, other companies that have come into the market. And so, and Zipcar you see around London, so people are presumably borrowing vehicles for a relatively short period of time. Uh, but beyond London, I suspect that people aren't really familiar with what the potential is. But it sounds to me from what you're saying, Paul, that it's going to hit, hit other parts of the country relatively quickly on the back of the mobility zones, which which are really out, out there, aren't they? You, you, where are they, Southampton and one or two other areas? So they're not, you know, they're not main yeah. cities necessarily. Yeah, and interesting. There, there are there are a few bike schemes that have that are that are there around the country. There, are, there are a few that have kind of come and gone as well. Um, you know, including some of the dockless schemes. And I'm I'm not a believer in dockless. 
uh, as a model uh, uh, whatsoever. I just think on many levels, it just, uh, it just doesn't work. Uh, it's got a structure. Uh, both from a from a from a council point of view, you've got to have a clean street scene. From a user point of view, you've got to, you've got to know where these things are, and they've got to be reliable. And from an operator uh, point of view, so um, you know they, they, they so so some haven't seen them at all. Some have seen ones that 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 haven't worked with um, uh, with the manual bikes. But I think I think really it's outside of London where. You know the most exciting uh, potentially is, and particularly in the short term, because there's an even bigger gap uh, in um, you know in your in in what's available in, in terms of your in terms of your options, and because public transport doesn't cover uh, as much, and and it's just too easy and too tempting to get in your car uh, for many people on 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 these things. I think you know really. Uh, being able to to use this to um, uh, you know to have other options for your cars to you know uh, the other thing is just a, it's just a great fun way to get around which is quite important because it means that pe that, that people will will choose it but also it then spurs some of the investment and in the focus on things we're now calling bike lanes so you know the, you know a lot of cities have wanted to put in more investment. Uh, and into into bike lanes and into you know infrastructure and segregated infrastructure for these smaller lower speed vehicles. Uh, there's always a conflict between cyclists on the extreme and cars on the on the other uh, on the other extreme. Now I'm a cyclist myself, um, uh, but the reality is not all journeys are applicable to to, uh, to to cycling. Uh, and showing up at your meeting all sort of dripping in sweat and, and, and other things. Um, but if you can combine that, you know, the cycling with these smaller, you know, lower speed and 15 mile per hour vehicles that are just as, you know, from a, from a road perspective are just like cycling, then what it means is you've got that much more justification put in that infrastructure and it's, and it's accessible to, to everyone. And so, you know, that combination of being able to have the options for uh, for people to get out of their cars, to make those journeys in a convenient way, um, for more more investment in that kind of infrastructure by uh, by cities, I think the potential for that and the immediate impact of that is greater outside of London than than it is in you know uh, in in such a big city at the moment. Yeah. So we're talking about uh, e-bikes, e-scooters, e-cargo bikes, all electrically uh, battery operated, but also micro electric cars as well. Yeah, ex exactly. And I, I think, you know, the one thing about transport and that's, you know, even councils and we in the, uh, you know, who are, who are, who are in it kind of, kind of mix up all, all the time or don't pay enough attention to is that, it's you know transport is multimodal, and depending on the type of journey you're going to make, you need a different type of, of vehicle. And at, at the moment, the problem is with your car. You're buying your car for you know that one time that you're taking the whole family, or the one time you need, you know, or the, the, the few times that you need to take a lot of lot of carrying capacity. But most of the time, you you don't need that. So. What you what you need is you need access to when I want to when I want to bike, 
and when I want to get the exercise and 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 it's the right right uh, vehicle for that journey, I want access to it. When I want a smaller either e-bike or an e-scooter, for example, then I then I want access to that. Then if I if I do need a little bit more co carrying capacity, either an e-cargo bike or a little micro car, um, you know, mo if if you've got a, if you've got access to that range, that covers the vast majority of your your journeys. Uh, supplemented by public transport and getting you to the public transport, for example. And then the car clubs come in it, whereas if you need, you know, the occasion when you need something bigger and even, even up to a van for an hour or two, then, you know, that kind of completes the, the whole service and, and, um, uh, and the complement. And all of a sudden, well, why do I need to spend thousands of pounds on a car or a a van or an SUV that just sits there doing nothing most of the time and is just burning a hole in my pocket. So, you know, all of these things are complementary. Uh, the car clubs and, and the bike schemes and the, and the micro-mobility and public transport. To be able to give people those options to say, you know, I, now I don't need to buy that, uh, buy that car because I can get by much better and, and much cheaper, in fact, on, um, on the combination of services that are coming. And, and so how is a is a uh, customer how would I pay for that I join a network that en that enables me to draw down all these different services transport yeah and and uh, so you got to remember we're right at the beginning of all of this or I think kind of getting into the second phase if we look at the first phase of being the bike schemes and the car clubs and now we're kind of getting into the second phase of it and I'm I'm a bit colored with my background in um, uh, telecoms, where you know maybe that's the way I see the world. But I think I think it's a great analogy, where you know a few years ago it used to be that you would get, you know your um, your your landline phone from one provider, and you'd get your TV from another provider, and you'd get your broadband, uh, and then your mobile phone. But eventually they all sort of came together, um, and because it's it's common usage and it's much easier. So at the start, it will be, there are the separate providers. But one of the things we will be doing is, you know, working with, you know, the public transport or working with other partners to be able to bring uh, together kind of combined offers so you can do that. And then I think, you know, pretty rapidly, there's going to be consolidation with the, within the industry so that you'll get, you know, a few providers that are providing the, the multimodal and you'll go to them and again, like the television industry, started out as sort of pay per usage, but then actually you start to get into a subscription-based uh, model where I'm paying you a monthly fee and I've got access to all of this, and maybe I get a certain level of usage, a number of hours on it, or something like that, and um, and then it then it becomes much more convenient. So we won't get there, you know, right at the start, but that is the way that it will that it will go, and I I think go. You know, over the next, uh, let's say within the next five years, it's going to. I mean, it's going to change quite rapidly. This is going to cha change the. This is going to change what cities and towns look like quite dramatically, isn't it? Yeah, and and I think for the better, um, because it's going to be. You know, it's one of the one of the one of the. Uh, you know, I, I guess things coming out of the, the, the lockdown that we've got right now um, uh, is, you know, 
hopefully getting everything under under control and, and getting out of it. But then as activity starts to pick up again, people will be looking and saying, well, you know, and they'll be seeing those air quality maps and the, you know, they'll, they'll experience a time when, you know, we haven't had all the pollution that, that we've had. And they'll be thinking, well, why do we want to go back to all of those emissions and the noise pollution and the other things? And, you know, aren't our communities much nicer when we've got cleaner transport and smaller transport and, and, and these kinds of things? So, um, the, you know, that all the technology is there to be able to do it right now it's all about as i say how do you how do you implement it and once we start showing how it can be implemented in a way then you know i, I think it's going to be very much it's it's going to be very disruptive like we've had like we've had disruption in other industries yes. where people will think okay kind of there i heard about it but oh where did that come from and all of a sudden it's changed much faster than uh, than they think but as i say for the better and making our making our cities more livable and nicer and people outside and you know seeing other people and then enjoying the way that they're getting around yeah. that's really interesting and you talk about the pandemic and its impact in terms of urban transport and people's desire to see less pollution and, and we've already experienced that because of the pandemic but also and from uh, previous uh, conversations we've had at downtown we're going to see more people working from home so that will inevitably have an impact uh, people will demand that because they've been able to do it during the pandemic uh, so we'll see a reduction in office space surely within towns and cities uh, and also retail has been accelerated in terms of moving online which was happening anyway but that's been accelerated by the pandemic more of that will be delivered as you say through e-cargo bikes, etc., more environmentally friendly vehicles. So all that combined uh, really changes the face of towns and cities through perhaps more residential, more leisure facilities in towns and cities, perhaps less retail, perhaps even less office space. Yeah, and it, and it could be, but it, but it, but also, you know, what what we would like to do, and what we're what we're doing at the moment is is also maybe supporting some of that. The, the retail and those shops on the high street who've really been struggling against the, the big online retailers to say, well, actually, it's much easier for them to uh, have, a, have a hybrid existence where, you know, they can be there. But in fact, you could get a lot more local deliveries yes. going in an area from a shop on your high street, from some of those independents yes. who have found it very difficult to compete so far because you've got you know, the vehicles and the access and people are getting used to that right now. Some might find it difficult, but others, I mean, we're, you know, we're finding the, the local fruit and veg shop, for example, is just, they can't, they can't keep up with demand right. uh, at the moment. And so people are getting used to getting deliveries yeah. from the, you know, person that they like on, on the high street. So there, there will be some ways in which we could actually enhance that high street experience as, as well, you know, and be able to get people there, but not with all the parking and not in their cars. That you know doesn't push everything online, but you know comes to a nice, nice complement. Yeah, and this ties in very much with what they call smart cities, which I've been doing a little bit of research yeah. around. And and do you want to say a bit about that and how it ties together? That's all about monitoring yeah. data and everything else, isn't it? Yeah, I mean the the you know the, the another part of this. I mean, every, everybody with you know smart cities is 
uh, and, and a transporter, you know, all the talk until now has been about, you know, big autonomous vehicles and, and, uh, and all these, this kind of thing. But actually the, the really interesting thing about these new powered vehicles is the, the batteries on them, you know, they've got big bat relatively big batteries. They're, you know, they're very intelligent vehicles at the moment. And the way that the shared ones work are they're all app controlled, locked and unlocked through your app. Um, they've got a, they've got a mobile SIM in them. They've got GPS. Um, they've got a, a kind of accelerometer that, you know, you, where you can, where you can tell what movement is on, uh, of the vehicle. Um, and so there's a lot of information even about uh, uh, the, the transport and the location element uh, that, you can, that you can really start to use to understand much better the journeys that are being taken, uh, et cetera. But we're talking to other sort of smart city sensor um, uh, manufacturers and, uh, you know, e even, even those we've been, we've been trying to push the autonomous vehicle companies to say, look, you know, you've got very small trials around the country. Actually, the, the, the sort of um, uh, sensing equipment that they've got uh, on those autonomous vehicles fit on quite a small um, circuit board and can be powered by a battery on an electric scooter and, and others. Um, you know, there, there are, there are, there, there's a lot more sort of monitoring that could go on, it, not just to be able to help, you know, map out the traffic and understand the, the street scene and, and sort of what's out there. But, you know, even for driver assistance on these smaller vehicles. So, you know, ultimately, if, I, if I'm a parent, for example, and I'm worried about my vulnerable child getting, uh, you know, going around, around the, uh, the city on something, well, ultimately, I'm going to be able to have something where I can sort of see where they are, that, you know, and that may be vulnerable road users if, you know, if, if they're indicating themselves as vulnerable road users, if I detect that something's happened, you know, a sudden stop and they haven't moved or, or anything from beyond that, then, it'll, you know, it might notify um, uh, somebody that they've indicated just to be able to check, are they okay? Um, you know, and, and these kind of things, or be able to assess, you know, is there a dangerous situation coming up or be able to direct them on routes where these are the safest and the, and the cleanest routes to get where you're where you're trying to go. So you know these are even though they're small, they're you know it's essentially floating batteries you've got going around the, around the city. And I think these are going to be the core of our smart cities um, going forward. And that's going to be another surprise that's coming up about. Well, people thought it was going to be the big autonomous vehicles and others that were going to be the, the smart cities. I think it's actually going to be these you know, numerous smaller vehicles that are going to be the, the real enablers of our, of our smart cities going forward. That's interesting. And, and just to, to move towards the end, but which countries should we be, or cities across the world should we be looking at? I know there's been some developments in the Middle East and United Arab Emirates where they're almost building new cities, so it's relatively easy. Uh, as opposed to uh, retrofitting some of this technology. So which countries should we be looking at to get a glimpse of what the future looks like? Well, I, uh, yeah, it's, a, it's a, the, um, you know, I, to be honest, I, I think the UK is the perfect place for, uh, for all of this. Now, uh, we're a little bit behind in terms of this micro-mobility in, in the UK. Um, but, it, but it's also giving us the ability to look elsewhere 
and see, well, what's happened? And now, okay, learn from the mistakes and say, okay, let's, let's do it properly. And let's build up from the ground, you know, in a, in a structured way uh, and, and others. Certainly in terms of just vehicles, you know, there are a lot of European cities where there are these, 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 these smaller uh, vehicles and the, the kind of electric vehicles which have, which have come. Um, there are a number of Asian cities where, you know, the, the, you know, the majority of mopeds going around are sort of traditional scooters, as, as we call them, all electric. And, you know, you can just see the, uh, the real improvement, uh, sound and, and, and emissions there. But then I think in terms of urban design and future urban design, exactly as you say, where new cities are being built in the Middle East um, and others. And, and, we're, and we're also having that in the UK in terms of just you know, new developments and new areas where the planners now need to be thinking about, uh oh, you know, we're, we're, in a, we're in a world where, you know, we're used to the car and we're used to the design around the car, but actually in five or two years, things could change. And if I design everything for the car, that could all be obsolete. So, you know, I, I, I do think looking at, at, um, at those countries, as you say, where, you know, they, they want to be future looking, they want to use the new technologies and they're designing that into the urban design and into you know building design and 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 you know building of apartments and and those kinds of things, um, you know, and how you integrate into that absolutely is where where not only we should be looking, but I think in the UK we've got a lot of knowledge that we can be looking to export that knowledge and to be able to influence that. I don't think anybody's really got yet, from what I've seen, the kind of future urban design as far as these new vehicles and integrating them yet. So I think there's all the opportunity for that. And as I say, I, I think the UK is the perfect place to develop all of that ecosystem and, and to be demonstrating how it can work for, for, for many reasons. Um, and as I say, it's a great opportunity for us to develop that and, and then to export that, uh, that knowledge. Um, but yeah, absolutely be working where there's, looking at where there's you know, massive new developments and how are they thinking about it. Paul, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on and giving us a glimpse into what is quite literally coming down the road, if you'll pardon the pun. Uh, great insight into the future, actually, and not that far away, I don't think, at all. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's been a great pleasure. Thank you very much, Simon, for, for having me. Thank you, Paul. Thanks. <laughs>